All right. Well, Larkin, thank you for joining us today to present. And uh, June, thanks for coming as, as backup for this presentation. We're excited about it. Um, this is uh, sort of a, a left field uh, topic for, for us, such as, such as anything can be, although to be fair, almost everything is kind of a left field topic in terms of what sorts of events we hold, but um, I'm super excited about it. I've always been kind of fascinated by anything relating to uh, games and not game theory, but rather the theory of games. Um, and, and there seems to be some degree of connection here. So I'm looking forward to understanding that better. Um, and, uh, uh, and we have a, a extremely diverse, uh, although small crowd today. So hopefully the, the Q and A will reflect that fact, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so, so with that, uh, uh, Larkin, take it away. The floor is yours and, uh, thanks again for joining us. Okay. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Max. Um, yeah, my name is Larkin Liu, uh, and I, I'll be presenting, um, Topic as you see uh, in front of you, an extensible modular design and implementation of Monte Carlo tree search for JVM. I know I'm reading off the, the slide, but um, it is uh, what it is. Sorry, it, the name is what it is. Um, and it's essentially a software package that runs Monte Carlo tree search. And I'm gonna go, I'm gonna talk about um, the, the way that was designed and why it was clever or why it was innovative. Um, so without further ado, uh, yeah, Max, thanks for, thanks for having us on this on this uh, talk series, uh, and uh, I hope you enjoy the presentation. Uh, the structure will be: we'll just talk about our biographies <laughs> real quickly. Um, I'll uh, then go over some basic mathematical theory. I will then uh, talk about um, uh, solutions via the mathematical approach. Then I'll talk about the Monte Carlo approach, and then. Finally, the last phase, we'll talk about the, um, the design of the software itself. Um, but I think from one to four will be a, a lot faster and five will be the, the main core of the topic uh, because our presentation is essentially a software package. Um, so just quickly go through our biographies real quickly. Uh, myself, I'm a Chinese Canadian research scientist. Uh, I studied first at the University, University of Toronto. Um, uh, where I majored in industrial engineering. And I worked in industry as a data scientist for uh, several years. And now I'm a doctoral student uh, in Germany here at the Technical University of Munich, where I conduct research in, uh, in supply chain optimization. Uh, June is a also Chinese Canadian, but he's, he's, a soft, he's, he's a real software engineer in this, in this mix. Uh, he did his bachelor's in engineering science at the University of Toronto. Um, then he worked at Microsoft extensively for, for, for five or six years or so, and now he's a master's student at Carnegie Mellon University. Um, so let's jump right into the, um, I guess, the math part of the things. And, and what are we ultimately trying to do with uh, Monte Carlo tree search here? Um, the Monte Carlo tree search is essentially solving uh, what's known as a Minecraft decision process, where uh, it's a decision process where um, an agent in a, in a world, in an unexplored world, can take actions in, in, the action, in the action space. Each action will return a reward and also potentially transition the agent or a robot into a new state. Um, we focus in the world, uh, world of discrete MDPs where um, you take an action and it'll move you to another state. And of course you obtain a state. And so the, the key takeaway in this, I don't want, people to be too um, sidetracked by all the fancy notation. But the key takeaway to, is that the agent, um, when you take an action in a discrete and uh, state action space, you obtain a reward as denoted by R. And you also get a, you also transition to a, another state with some probability function by P with P and that state also has a value. And you can see the value is recursive and so solutions to these problems uh, can be very intractable uh, due, to this, due to this recursive nature where um, it's, it's, it has to compute the future and then recursively compute for the future again and again. And there are clever ways in dynamic programming to solve this problem, notably value and policy iteration. But even with these clever methods in dynamic programming, <coughs> MDPs become, uh, wildly intractable as the state action space increases. Um, and so uh, this is an area 
that I currently research in. And you know, um, for any researcher out there, I think when you investigate a problem, um, first you might want to start building some of the tooling of how you want to how you want to attack this problem. And so this is why uh, me and June uh, had the idea of creating uh, MC Tree Search for J, which is a, a Monte Carlo Tree Search solver for MDPs um, uh, in the JVM. And I'll, I'll, we'll go over why we built this later, but this is more of just a mathematical theory. <clears throat> and so one of the key uh, takeaways is um, we have a Q function essentially, uh, which is the reward and the, uh, the, the probability of transitioning into the next state uh, given the action taken and the value of that next state recursively plus a discount factor. So this is basically what we're trying to always maximize uh, when, uh, with our agent here I mean, when it's walking through a system. Um, and so where are the key challenges for MDPs in the real world? Um, they, a lot of the times uh, there are nice solutions from the analytical side of things, but a lot of times like transition probabilities are unknown. So we, we, don't, we don't know um, what, what, with what probability are we gonna to transition to another state when we take a certain action? We can keep playing the simulation again and again, but we may not be able to be able to actually mathematically define the system. This is a key challenge. Um, there are a lot of imperfect conditions, um, unobservability, which then we jump into the world of POMDPs or partially observable MDPs. Um, and then there's also high dimensionality of state action space, which I just mentioned before making a lot of these um, things very difficult to compute. And so traditionally, the, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the solutions are coming from dynamic programming, uh, coming from stochastic programming, and mixed integer programming or convex optimization. These are more of the exact solutions or approximate solutions that are inspired by exact solutions uh, that, that are state-of-the-art, but um, they're quite complex compared to Monte Carlo's research. And as you can see, uh, some of them already uh, do use Monte Carlo methods in addition to dynamic programming. But we will not focus on this um, because we'll focus on, on we'll, we'll be focusing on the Monte Carlo tree search side of things and how we would solve MDPs using that technology. So this is just a little bit of mathematical theory. Um, the multi-armed bandit problem. So what is, I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with multi-armed bandits. Uh, maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but what is it connected to? Uh, how is it connected to MDPs? Well, basically um, the multi-armed bandit is, is just a, um, it's just the MDP which doesn't transition states, right? Like um, we want to know how much reward we're getting with each action we're taking, but the state is the same. And so basically, <coughs> sorry, uh, MCTS is ultimately an extension of a solution to a multi-armed bandit strategy. Um, and so in multi-armed bandits, uh, we are again trying to, uh, well not again, but we're trying to minimize what's known as the, re the regret, which is the value of an optimal policy, oh sorry, uh, minus the value of the current policy. And the value is defined by the reward that we, that, that we obtain uh, given the action that we take with the probability that action under the policy. So there's a probability that we take an action under the policy and we sum it all up, the reward for each of the actions that we take and that's the value of the policy. And so the regret is the difference between that and the optimal policy. And that's- from I'm, I'm sorry, can I I'm, interrupt and ask yeah. a question real quick? Go ahead. Um, so do you think you can give a little bit of a, a high level of how the multi-armed <laughs> bandit fits with uh, the Monte Carlo for MPT, because it feels like Monte Carlo is like, I have all these choices and it's like, or sorry, um, multi-armed bandit, it's like, which one choice do I make that will help me the most? And the MPT mm -hmm. seems like something that's, or sorry, sorry Monte Carlo is like, you have to recurse in a lot of ways to find the solution. Like, yeah, exactly. am I jumping ahead or did I miss something about how these are connected? So there's, if I'm not mistaken, there are no, there's no, there's not much recursion going on, and the, there's no recursion going on in, in, in the, in the formulation for multi-armed bandit. The reason why it's in this slide set is because I wanted to demonstrate um, that actually, uh, so one of the one of the mechanisms in Monte Carlo tree search 
is adapt is 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 an evolution of uh, multi arm bandits, and so that's why it's in there. But as you see, the key difference between multi arm bandit and an MDP is that there's no transition of states. So we obtain a reward with the action under a policy, but we don't change the state of the agent. We don't we don't we don't go somewhere else as a, as a result of taking a step or something as a result of selecting something or taking a step or observing something. We don't change the world that we're in. Or, or, or the state of the world that we're in, we, we just kind of stay, stay in the same position. And simply in a multi-armed bandit work, we're just trying to minimize because we don't know what each action, what reward we get with each action that we take. So we could have maybe three actions, but we don't know, maybe three restaurants, for example, in a neighborhood, each yields a different reward, but you have to keep trying them to know. So this is this is basically what a multi-armed bandit is. And of course, if we know exactly what, what restaurant you want to go to yield you the best reward, then you keep going there all the time, but you have to keep trying them to know. But of course, when you keep trying a restaurant, uh, potentially or in principle, it does not change the state of the, the world that you're in. You just kind of stay the same. And so you're just trying to find the, the best arm to play, so to speak. Right. So, 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 so the traditional, <laughs> the traditional metaphor yeah. of the multi-armed bandit is literally the, uh, the slot machines, right? So you're saying yeah. you're now in a problem where when you pull the arm on one of the slot machines, you might go through a trap door to a new casino. And that, so it's like a completely different yeah. kind of problem because yeah. you literally could switch exactly. casinos when you do it, which means that you don't have this possibility of like retrying that same bandit in order to get a better sense of its probability distribution or something. Uh, yeah, I think the trapdoor, the, the example you kind of posed, the, the thought, the thought experiment, so to speak, none of this actually happens, but, 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 um, but, but this, this would be the MDP, where, where, where every time you play an action, you have the potential of moving to a new world where the probability distributions are now different. But in a multi-armed bandit, uh, in principle, by design, uh, you're not changing the world you're in. You're simply trying to find what's most rewarding for you to take in a world that's kind of unknown. So obviously. Uh, this this type of thing I've worked with before, for example, in, in ad tech, you want to show certain advertisements that yield different click through rates. Well, assuming the customers don't change or the, or the people don't change, your audience doesn't change, you know which 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 advertisement is the best. We don't want to display equally to everybody. We want to maybe focus fire on 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 on, on the treatment that will get you to the highest reward. And so, these type of things help us find it faster instead of taking a long time for you to discover. Um, and so this is not the focus of this presentation, but one way that you do um, uh, multi-armed bandit is through a well-known uh, strategy called UCB1. And basically um, we would play the arm <coughs> where, uh, where it is the, the reward, the mean reward that you got before. So maybe you played a couple of times, you already know what reward you get. The mean of that is, is your estimate because there is some stochasticity in there. Uh, plus some adjustment factor, um, it will be adjusted by the, uh, it, will be, uh, the, the, it will be punished, so to speak, more if by the NA, the number of times you already played that arm and then normalized by the number of the times the game has been played in, in total. So basically if you tried it too many times, um, it's gonna penalize you a bit more. And then, um, but it's normalized by the total amount of times you play the game. And so this additional factor um, allows uh, people to keep, um, to, uh, to, to not be greedy and just let's say, uh, play the reward that got you the best reward last time. Well, maybe you didn't discover something. So this, this is the adjustment factor. And this is a well-known um, formula for the multi-arm bandit. And so now we jump into the, uh, the MDP world where we do change um, states. Well, as you can see in the, in the graph uh, ahead of you, as you can see the agent will move from state to state down a tree. So, uh, so now, um, how do we normalize? Well, of course, we want to play the, uh, we want to move the agent into a state where it's most rewarding, but at the same time, we want to also explore, right? So now this is called now the UCT strategy, which is based off of the UCB1 strategy from Multi-Arm Bandit, where each time the, the agent jumps into a new state down the decision tree, um it is it is uh it is trying to look for the one that the state that it's visited before will, will yield the best expected reward plus some adjustment factor from uc1 which is normalized by the total number of times that node has has, has been visited uh, divided by the number of times 
the next node, the proposed node has been visited. Um, the shorthand is the apostrophe. So this is how the original uh, multi trial tree search works. Um, the agent goes down the tree and then it's gonna greedily select this, the next state um, potentially it has visited before that yields the best reward. At the same time, it's normalized by um, a punishment factor if you visit that place too many times. So it, it encourages exploration. And so um, just a quick, um, uh, some citations, uh, you know, certain papers in the past have demonstrated that Monte Carlo tree search. Um, so in Chang 2005, they demonstrated that MCTS is actually just an adaptation of, uh, of the multi-arm bandit for MDPs. And, you know, Bertizmas in 2014 showed that um, uh, when comparing Monte Carlo tree search to mathematical programming, like dynamic programming, for example, um, it's, the performances are, are, are similar and, and, and the use, and, and, but they have interesting results, so to speak. The, 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 uh, the MCTS, you know, is, is favorable in certain scenarios. So I'll just sum it up, you know, what are the ch challenges of MCTS? Well, um, oftentimes for MCTS, uh, we, we tend to fall into local minimas or maximas and, and it's hard to escape them. Um, there's no guarantees on, on, on the value, uh, on the convergence of any imperfect, uh, the value function, any imperfect scenarios. So um, yeah, that kind of draws from the first point. There's, there's no guarantee that, that you're gonna get an optimal solution. Um, there's a lot of guesswork involved with determining, you know, which, which heuristics that you should use that are, that are going to be the, the good ones. It's just a proposal. I, I think this is going to be like this and let's try it out. And we, it's, it's a, it's, it's experiment and trial and error, a lot of trial and error involved. So a lot of, um, the, the mathematicians don't like this, but the advantages are, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't, it doesn't require any knowledge of, uh, it doesn't require the mathematic require you to mathematically explain the system. Um, because as long as you have some sort of programmatic simulation, then, then it's fine. It will demonstrate this. Um, it does not scale to the size of the state action space, right? We, we, you can set the number of simulation, param uh, the number of iterations down a tree. It does not need to compute for everything. It could just compute, it could just solve for a subsample. And if that, that could be an approximate solution to an optimal solution. And, um, again, uh, it can easily be mixed up with different, uh, other solution methods. Um, and we've seen this before in other research areas where dynamic programming has been married with Monte Carlo tree search to, to yield effective results. And so now um, we talked about, uh, you know, uh, Monte Carlo tree search, the, 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 the key ideas. Actually, I need to explain maybe real quickly. So how does Monte Carlo tree search work? Um, we have an agent looking through, uh, basically searching through a system. Um, and it's, you can imagine decision tree here. Each action it takes, it goes to another state. And so um, the nodes here are the states that have already been visited. So at some point in the past in the selection phase, these nodes here have already been visited. And so now that all the selection phase does is, uh, is propose um, what to, where to go. So using, you know, this is driven by the equation number nine here. It proposes where the agent should explore. And once it hits a, a certain point, it's gonna to propose to, and now we, we've hit a phase, we want to exp expand to a new area we haven't searched before. Once expanding to a new area, then we have to play a variety of uh, random games, randoms, uh, random traversals down further down the tree uh, to, to know what the result of this state would be, what the reward of the state would ultimately be. And then back propagate the uh, the reward up to the, to the all the way to the root nodes. So each of the values are dependent on the next nodes, and all of this is back propagated up, and all the values in this stream get updated. So that's how the MCTS works in a very high level. And so we want to design a software that we can run MCTS for both, um, and it has it was a dual it was dual intent. So one was to create a, a, a basis for for research and development. And the other one was to make it a very industry standard piece of software. And so um, the background is that uh, MCTS in general, although we know it's really well used in, in, in research, especially for like a, a deep mind and, 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 uh, and a lot of uh, 
AI driving simulations, etc. These things, it's, uh, Monte Carlo methods are such as Monte Carlo tree search are, are well known to be used, but there's a lack of general implementation of this um, in the open source world. That is, I'm sure um, you know uh, from the closed source world, there's a lot of uh, good implementations on the industry side. But as, as far as open source is concerned, there isn't there isn't a lot of them. Um, there definitely isn't a lot of them in, in the JVM, as it's already lacking uh, machine learning implementations in general, and research in general also lacks a lot of reproducibility. And, and the aim was to develop a software that's very easy to reproduce, which we'll demonstrate later, and it's very applicable to a variety of research problems. Um, and so why, so the, one of the quick, quick questions would be, why, why did you go with uh, JVM and Kotlin? Well, well JVM actually, uh, despite its lack of support on the research side it's actually very it's a very well used industry um industry language especially for web frameworks desktops android etc and java is very popular actually and has a lot of it has extensive support based knowledge base which we can take advantage of and speaking of android actually <coughs> a lot of mobile games are are, are 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 designed with android obviously which use jvm and I would assume these games sometimes are term-based and they do require some sort of Monte Carlo tree search. And, and it would be nice to see this type of stuff being used for these type of mobile games. And um, Kotlin, well, Kotlin is a newer language. It runs on a JVM. It's, 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 it's got a very nice, uh, succinct and expressive uh, syntax. It's got a lot of powerful primitives and, and it's very modern. So, so we picked this uh, as, as to develop the MCTS framework on. Um, this is a key slide. Now, when, when, when creating this package, what, what were the key things that we had in mind? Well, one was extensibility. So as we talked about earlier, there, there, there's clearly various uh, four key mechanisms in MCTS and then how we choose to do the search. A lot of these uh, methods can be reused. And so we wanted to make sure that um, the, the package was extensible and reusable. This, by extension, also modular in the sense that if you wanted to change something with how MCTS runs, it wasn't. It, it's not going to be that hard to do. You can definitely rewrite a certain component and plug it back in, and it shouldn't. You shouldn't require a complete rewrite. And then standardization it should be benchmarked and tested against a, a, a library of standard tests and reproducible. If you want to see some results, <clears throat> uh, Max, how's the time? By the way, in my in my um. Am I on track or? Well, uh, I think you're doing fine. It's okay. It, it's okay if we have slightly less conversation and more presentation. So, you know, whatever you prefer. Okay. Yeah, am I at what, 10, 20 minutes right now? Or... Uh, yeah, basically. You're about okay. 20 minutes okay. in. Okay, cool. Okay, so um, now we'll talk about the actual implementation of the, of the software. Um, and so, as, as the points that we mentioned earlier, you know, extensibility modularity. So. We wanted to build it from the ground up. Where um, what were the what were the things that would be constantly reused in MCTS? So we thought about this. So, so we have a very very base class, the solver, which is uh, which consists of uh, uh, the green. The green is an abstraction, which which is not defined exactly, um, but uh, but the, the yellow is implemented. So calculating UCT, running the tree search, but how you do selection, expansion, simulation, backpropagation, these are not yet defined yet. And then, um, <laughs> and then moving forward, uh, sorry. And then, uh, sorry, this, yeah, we have another one at the bottom, sorry. Uh, and then we have uh, two types of solvers that kind of inherit from the original solver. And these do define how you do the selection, expansion, simulation, backpropagation. I will get that a bit later. But as you can see from this, this chart it, it builds on top of each other. There's no like uh, this is this is the this is the the code. It, it no no. If you want to create another solver that that, that runs that that does the um the key mechanisms a bit differently, you could in principle inherit the original solver and rewrite the other class. And that's what it means by extensibility here. And this is one of the one of the innovations that we wanted to bring to the table. Um, and then. Defining an MDP, we were talking about MDPs earlier. Defining an MDP um, is not is not defined actually. Um, let's say you're playing, uh, you know, one one MDP obviously different from another MDP that's completely separate from the solver. Again, you the user defines this separately, 
and the two worlds will kind of meet at an interface. And so uh, what do I mean by defining an MDP? Um, okay, so an MDP could be a deterministic one, it could be like a game, it could be Connect4, it could be Reversi, it could be some, or it could be stochastic, like 2048 is, is a stochastic MDP actually. And so you define a five key abstract functions, which you have to define how it trend, oh, sorry, how it transitions from state to state when you take an action, how the rewards are returned, the rewards are always a double, um, the initial state that's in, when is, is that state terminal? So is the game over? And, and the available actions in each state. So this is how you define NDP, just five methods. You can define however you want. It can run a separate game engine. It could be internal to this, but you define this uh, sort of uh, these five things. And our generic solvers will actually be able to then run Monte Carlo tree search. But if you want to also make your own Monte Carlo solver, you can by extending these classes. So, so there's a two kind of two, two, twofold here. So these are defined by abstract classes. And you have generic types. So state and actions are not, it could be double, it could be an int, but they're generic types and, uh, and, 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 and that represent the state. It could be some custom thing that you defined. So it's very generic, very abstract, um, <laughs> as, as the name suggests. But, but, um, but yes, uh, this is how you would define MDP. So for example, you can write a Connect4 game using just following these five principles. You can write a more complex MDP in the logistics world. You could write a simple game that you created as long as it obeys these, uh, this, this sort of abstract, these abstract functions. And so, um, okay, so then in the bottom here, we define a solver, which is pretty, probably better to have an actual full diagram as in the paper instead of doing half and half, okay, for later. <laughs> In the, in, the, in the so let's say here we have a solver and it's running simulate, and then uh, we have different MDPs that we define. Here's twenty forty eight. Here's reverse C. Um, yeah, it's very hard to see exactly from twenty. Okay, anyways, yeah. So this is the game side where it actually runs a simulation and then runs and then solves for uh, for these games. Um, and I think it's better to probably do a demo. But um, okay. Yeah, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, the user is free to redefine the core functions of Monte Carlo tree search. So if you actually want to uh, you know, change the way uh, selection is done or change the order of expansion and simulation, you can actually do this. Some other MCTS algorithms work, work like this. It's very simple to do. You just basically switch the order of the, of the simulation. You know, uh, uh, the simulation block here, you will, you will, you will redefine this and then you can change the order around and you can, you, can, you can change how you want to do MCTS. You want to add a heuristic. Okay, cool. Um, you can go and uh, maybe when you, when, you do the, when you do the simulation or you do the expansion, you want, to be, you want it to be guided by domain heuristic. You can go into um, a certain block of code and add in that, 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 um, that change um, by basically creating a new solver and redefining the expand class, for example. And, and so, it makes it very easy to come up with hypothetical changes to MCTS and then add them in by extending the original solvers. And this is what it was designed for. Um, also, uh, yeah, and, and the other thing I wanted to mention is that, so we can see here in the top, we have the solver and we have the MDP. They are communicated, they communicate with each other through an interface. And this interface is defined here, as I explained earlier, as a simulating, it will constantly be querying this interface to get the data that it needs in order to do the, in order to do the tree traversal uh, represented by this diagram. So um, speed is affected by how fast this interface works. So it's always better to make this interface performant. Uh, okay. Again, I just talked about the key mechanism and how they can be defined. And another key thing. So as you notice here, we have two types of solvers. One's generic solver and one is stateful solver. What is the difference and why do we pick this? Well, going back to the diagram here, going on this tree search, we wanna think about how we represent states as an agent goes down the tree and do we need to explicitly keep track of it? 
And so now we now we're to the area of optimization where, okay, we have we can de develop one one type of uh, solver where the simulations don't actually 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 have to explicitly remember the state, and a, and a version where it actually has to explicitly remember the state. And now it's a classic trade-off between memory versus uh, computation, right? So we decided to default to the stateless solver. Oh, as you traverse the tree, the states aren't really remembered exactly, but in order to figure out where you are or approximate where you are, you, have, you replay the game. And so it's more memory efficient, but you have to compute more. And this is favored when the state action state branching is high. So what does state action state branching mean? It means that from any, on average in your world or your MDP, for any state, any action you take from a state, how diverse, how, how much branching are you gonna on average get? If that branching is high, then uh, then you try to go with the stateless solver where it doesn't, doesn't, it relies on computation to figure out where you are and not memory. But if you're in a world conversely where that state action state branching is low, so there's only a couple of states and each action you take is not gonna land you another, it's not gonna give you that much diversity of states. You might wanna consider um, using the stateful solver where it relies on memory to remember to, for you to remember where you are on the uh, on the search tree. And so these are two flavors of, 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 uh, of solvers and the user is even free to define even more types of solvers if they wanna optimize further. But these are the two that are offered by default by the package. <clears throat> Cool, so now is demo time. Um, so I'm gonna just quickly demo uh, the, the workings of this, of this technology. Um, so we actually added in some Gradle, um, uh, some Gradle tasks that will actually run the code. And we're going to run a quick game of reverse here. Uh, is anyone is everyone familiar with the game of reversity? By the way, I'm not. I'm not. So maybe you can explain it. Okay. Um. All right. So I will explain. Uh. But uh. It's basically the game looks like this. You can see um where is your board where you would. When you place, let's say you're black and you place black here, it will basically, if you have two endpoints of the same color, it will turn the, uh, the whatever's in between into that color. And the goal at the end of the game, when you have no possible moves left to have as many of your, um, of your, uh, of your color as possible. So now we've initiated a, a reverse UI and it's actually running MC Tree Search for J to, uh, to play the game. And so, okay, so if no one's a reverse expert, I'm going to just have to play. I'm also not a reverse expert. I'm just going to demonstrate. So we'll start the AI. Okay, so I think the AI is the phone and I am the star. And then the phone goes here and I will go here. And I'll see, I, I created uh, my own blocks here and it went here. And then I will go here and then it also went here and I'll go here and then it went here. So, I guess I'll just keep playing this game. Um, I'll lose because this is a much better program than me. I'm not a reverse expert either. But just to demonstrate that, you know, it's under a novice, um, playing against a novice is pretty, it's pretty good. Um, but of course we're not, it's not state of the art yet uh, because we haven't sort of, I'm just gonna play through this game real quickly. See, I'm playing through this game. So could you uh, make it cool. play, it looks this is super cool. Could, could you make it play itself in theory? Like, can you? Yeah, can yeah. We, we, match that's, up? that's actually what I'm gonna do next. I just wanted okay. to finish this game real quickly to show you yeah, guys yeah, yeah. that Go for it. it's an AI that actually works and it's not it's not bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's cool. I wouldn't. Yeah. I didn't think of what the strategy would be, but the AI trying to yeah. get the sides so that there's no way to get yeah. to the other side of is is nice. Yeah. So I I just played a game with 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 our AI here. And as you can, I lost, I lost tremendously, <laughs> but I'm not a reverse expert. But as you said, this, this is actually pretty fascinating because this is just basic MCTS. It is not any sort of primed up uh, uh, turbocharged version of it. It's basically just running what we talked about on the slides. Um, this, uh, sorry, it's, <laughs> it's basically just running. Sorry, I had a cold yesterday. I'm sorry, I had a cold last week and it's lingering on me. 
but um, it's basically running this, what you see here with this equation. There's, there's nothing else that's, it's vanilla, so, so to speak. There's nothing, there's no, there's no additional things it's running. And so, um, and so it was able to uh, tremendously destroy me in this game, but I'm also not a professed expert at this game at all. So now that Max just mentioned, can it in principle play by itself? And yes, so what if we want to, as I mentioned, improve on MCTS? We wanted to make it even better. So we can, and we will demonstrate this by simply adding a heuristic here. Um, so here, we're gonna implement this heuristic here where uh, now we give the, 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 the MCTS a bit of domain knowledge. Uh, we want to, so again, if we get the corner, that's a key spot that's like a hundred value. And then closer to these sides here that these are higher values. So it's domain knowledge and wants to explore that area more now. We want to tell, tell the, um, the solver, I think it was at the selection or the expansion stage. I don't remember exactly. We want to tell one of these states to, to look for that more. And so we basically took this domain knowledge and we programmed it into MC set for j And if I can show you the code block, and June will notice a bit better than me, but if we have a heuristic solver here. Oh no, this is just a base solver. Oh, never mind. But it, it, we we you, you could in principle extend the solver, implement this, and that's exactly what we did. And we have it play against each other: the original Monte Carlo tree search versus the new and improved heuristic version, augmented with this. And I can run it real quickly, and you can see for yourself. The sim, I think, or is it reverse sim? I think it's the keyboard. Uh, let's look at the keyboard one second. Keyword is reverse the adversarial sim. So now it's going to play against each other. Um, just compile it a little bit. This is funny. Usually, okay, usually it's a bit faster in compilation, but so now it's running a, a a a battle between the heuristic augmented MCTS and the original base solver, and I would just see you see heuristics winning, the base is winning. But it'll run through the thing, and we actually demonstrate that. Um, go back to our paper. I'll let that run on the background, but we actually show that when we augment the, the, the MC tree search solver, um, we actually have a higher win rate of this is the. Yeah, we have to go 500 iterations here. We have 60% and 75% winning. So it has to have a more depth in the search because reverse is a much more complex game. If you increase the depth to 1,000, you'll have a better advantage. Heuristic augmented tree search with 500 iterations and 1,000 depth is going to win 75% of the time. So we demonstrated the effectiveness of, effectiveness of adding a heuristic in there. Um, and this example is still running on my machine, but you can see heuristics winning. Actually, they're kind of pretty even right now. Maybe we, we want to run more trials, but I have ran this much, much longer with more iterations and, and you'll see that it's winning three quarters of the time, which is, which is a good sign. So it does, it, now we demonstrate that we can potentially improve uh, MCTS via this package by simply adding in a heuristic. And I can probably show you what a heuristic is added in. Uh, is it? Maybe June can show you, because it's on top. Oh, so here, okay, actually here, yeah. So we have, we have this array for the heuristics and we override the simulate function to incorporate the heuristics into the original simulate. So the, so the solver has changed a little bit as a result of this. And to play against the original MCTS and it's be able to be better. So that's how you can improve um, MCTS. And this enables researchers essentially. You know, if you have a research idea that you want to incorporate, 
then basically you can re override certain parts of the MCTS algorithm and try it out for yourself. We also have a variety of other games that we can we support through um, through MC Tree Search for J. Uh, we can play Connect Four as well. We could play. Uh, we can do a simple game called Grid World. And what Grid World is is basically um, actually on the slides is basically have an agent, and each block here is a is a state. And you can take uh, up to four actions at each state. Here you can take all four up, down, left, right, for example. And ideally you want to get to the, you want to get to the five, but um, but you can also end up in traps and, and hit negative one. Everything else is zero. Um, but the key the key takeaway is that if you choose to go forward, you only have like an eighty percent chance or X percent chance of going forward. You can actually end up going to. It's it's not guaranteed that you go forward with each action that you take, with each direction that you take, right? So um, then this will basically just quickly solve you know, how fast, so the two optimal actions are, are, are left and down and definitely not up or, 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 or right. Um, so basically um, MCTS should be, able to, should be able to find out that these two are the optimal actions and solve it fast and converge to the accurate results. And we see that it is converging to accurate results. The exploration term is gonna be lower for the correct solutions. And um, the rewards are going to be higher for the correct solutions, and the number of visits to those to those to those uh, states would also be higher. And so this this just a, just a, a quick sanity check on it this is producing uh, legitimate results when you're running on a basic example such as Grid World. And we just finished the simulation between heuristic and base solver. I don't know how many times. Base okay, so we've slightly it was slightly better than 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 than, than the non-augmented MCTS, but of course we run just even to, more. You just to kind of yeah. add a little bit to it, uh, it, it also depends on several hyperparameters that you have set uh, in the uh, um, essentially for the simulation, like what how many simulations are you running per uh, essentially MCTS iteration, um, and when you uh, uh, run the simulation. How deep can the simul uh, can the simulation run for? Like how many simulation iterations do you run? Uh, so uh, essentially, this also requires some uh, hyperparameter tuning. Uh, I'm not sure what hyperparameters here are set to, but essentially in the uh, paper uh, results, yeah, that, I presented that the paper. Showed, we actually had a specific setting that actually demonstrate. Oh yeah, it's better. Because uh, yeah. for batch settings, uh, you actually won't get any um, visible results. Yeah, as you can see, with with fifty iterations, with only forty depth, it's basically the same, right? It's only for a complex game like Reversi, you need a lot more iterations and, and a lot more depth before you start seeing that. Oh, the heuristic actually helps right. with with just a, with a pretty shallow search with with uh, with a low number of iterations. 50, right. 50 searches, like okay, I mean. There's only so much you can find here with 50. Anyways, um, right. okay, uh, yes. another um, kind of conceptually why this works is that uh, by uh, the, the default solver doesn't know the, um, any, it doesn't have any specific domain knowledge. So when it tries to run the simulation uh, in the MCTS, it is completely random. But uh, a completely random game of uh, reversi where uh, people are just, uh, both players are making random moves, it doesn't actually. Um, get very close to how a real game um, actually is played, uh, which is why you tend to get uh, some bad results. And MCTS can uh, essentially converge on, uh, let's say, a local minimum or something like that. Uh, the reason why uh, the heuristics and works a little bit better is it tries to simulate what uh, real players would do, which is prioritize the better moves. Um, obviously, it doesn't capture all of the um, strategies in reversi, but it's a simple uh, heuristics that can uh, drastically improve the results of uh, MCTS. Essentially, it gets uh, you to converge uh, more quickly and more optimally to a better solution. Cool. Sorry. Um, um, yeah. yeah, and back to you, Larkin. Sure, thank you. Um... Yeah, cool. So I'll just wrap it up quickly. That's this basically takes us to the end of the presentation. Um, 
in summary, you know, what, what did we do? We created a Monte Carlo tree search package and Monte Carlo tree search is used to solve MDPs, but also palm DPs or multi, or multi-armed bandits. They're all kind of the same family of stuff. And we created a package that's modular extensible. So it's not something that it's, it's meant to be changed and adapted and reused uh, for research and development, for research and development. Um, I didn't mention, but it's relatively lightweight. So you can see it runs on my computer. Um, well, this is a, this is an i7 processor with 16 gigs of RAM, but um, it ran on my older MacBook with, with, with less power and it can, it can be competitive as an AI. Um, so in principle, it can run on your mobile devices as well. It's not, it doesn't require supercomputing to support. It's, it's a relatively lightweight piece of, piece of software. And it's only about 1500 lines. The core library is even less, I think. So it's not a, it's not a bloated uh, piece of code. Um, and it's meant to be a research platform, but it also has the, you can also directly import. Let's say you have, you created a, a, a MDB based game on your, on your phone. You can in principle program it onto your phone. So um, uh, without, without, without major work. Um, so uh, just plug and play, so to speak. So what are the next steps that we want to take with this project? Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, we want to explore potentially uh, changing these uh, selection expansion simulation and the ways in which you would do it. Because doing it in this way is just the basic way. If you read the literature, there's actually a lot of ways that people do MCTS in different ways. They can change the order of the key mechanism. They can change this equation here, for example, they can, as we showed you, add domain knowledge, you can do a combination of the three. So that's one thing. So just, just trying different ways and how you do MCTS, and this sets the springboard for you, you, you can do this now. You can, you, can do, you, can, you can change MCTS and bend it to your, to your will, so to speak. You can also, what we didn't talk about is marry MCTS with different methods like dynamic programming, deep learning, um, so to speak, reinforcement learning. These things are unexplored. And if you have a JVM implementation of something that runs in reinforcement learning or runs, I don't know, um, deep learning or, or some sort of uh, another form of AI, you can marry the two together and where you can use. So for example, I know how dynamic programming marries into MCTS. You would run dynamic programming and then when it goes to a certain location that it's intractable, you run a Monte Carlo method in place of the dynamic, dynamic programming solution. So these type of things um, do exist. And um, you, could, you could use deep learning to augment MCTS or vice versa. You can use MCTS to augment dynamic programming or something like this. So these sort of marriages are, 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 very, are very interesting to me. And, and I think is very, is, 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 it would be a very good to see a research being done in it. And there's already a lot being done in it. Um, and I cited a couple in this paper, in this presentation, but more will be even will be even cooler. And lastly, it'd be interesting to see if someone actually has a reverse C game on their phone or something. They develop an app, and they just want to port this in and support and and, and use it to support their uh, their AI for their phone. And this is not a research thing. This is a pure industry thing. You, you you might work at a startup and you want to have basic AI running. You don't want to spend three months writing it. Just Term-based AI just poured it in, and this will be another interesting thing to we that we, that we want to see happen. So that's where we leave off um, with MCTS for J. We can we can enter the discussion phase now. <clears throat> well, Larkin, thank you so much. That was fantastic. Um, uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll kick it off. Um, I, I I can see the obvious application to to you know things that are clearly games, but you know like as an academic, I'm I'm maybe more interested in things that are not clearly games. I've seen a number of papers in the last five years at security, Oakland, you know, Oakland Security and Privacy that use multi-armed bandits to formalize um, uh, different types of problems, but I don't remember what specifically. So I, I guess I'm wondering, are, are you aware of any problems that lend themselves naturally to, uh, uh, I forget the acronym, to, to, to MBP, to, to you know, the, the formalism that you have here? Um, which are maybe outside of what we'd obviously think of as, as games, whether they're in security or or elsewhere. Um, if you go back to the uh, MDPs, Markov Decision Process. So I like to use this as a generic term to describe a variety of stochastic processes. Um, MDPs could be deterministic. So it's, so for example, if you imagine grid world, 
it's no longer if you go down it's guaranteed to go down so now it's just like a star search just 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 find it there's no stochastic element involved um, but then if you add in okay only 80 percent of the time it goes down so now we have we have stochasticity and that complicates things and so um or you could have the mab a multi-armed bandit where you're never going to change states you're never going to go anywhere you just keep trying different options you can also have the POMDP where, where let's say in grid world, you might have, um, oh, sure, what you see is not what you actually get. You, 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 you have a probability of going down, but you also have a probability of seeing which, uh, something else. So the observation is also kind of hindered. So this is another complication in, in, your, in your stochastic decision process. So I, I think maybe a more broad term is stochastic decision process. How do we make optimal decisions when there's the layers of stochasticity, stochasticity involved? One with the action, state action, state branching. So you take an action, you go somewhere else, but not guaranteed. The other one is when you observe something, it's not it's not what you actually see. Um, yeah, Jacob, Jacob, how do you, how do you, how do you answer? Um, so thank you for the presentation. This is super cool. And a couple of things that really stick out to me is that usually when someone does a paper, it's like, oh, we came up with this interesting idea. Here's a little proof of concept or some pseudocode or something. And you guys are like, no, we're writing a platform that people can use. Um, and we're also going to go out and talk to different clubs outside of our school about this. I think that feels very uh, creative and like a very good strategy. And I'm curious how you guys decided to do your paper that way instead of just like going coding up a solution that worked for you and moving on to the next paper. Which a lot of people do. That's it. That's a very good question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish just answering my last question, which was uh, regarding the. So what I wanted to say earlier was that um, using this abstract class definition here, you could define a multi-arm bandit. You could define a POM DP. You could define an MDP. You could define any family of stochastic processes. It actually is not restricted to MDPs, and this in this presentation might be a little bit misleading to say that it's only MDP based because you could in principle design a multi-arm bandit where, where for example, transition is not defined, is, is defined, but it doesn't go anywhere. Maybe just the same state is returned. And this would be an MAB now, this is a multi-arm bandit. Um, and could you define a POMDP? It would be a stretch because the POMDP has a different extra layer observation. So maybe not, but you could in principle define a multi-arm bandit and use this technology to solve multi-arm bandit problems and, and if it's running properly, it would basically run this 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 thing here. It would just basically run this. And so yeah, yeah so it definitely is backwards compatible. And then you can solve, you can use it to solve deterministic games. So like connect four or reverse CDs are not probabilistic. So in a transition, you wouldn't define any stochastic element in a transition. It would just go exactly the way you want to go. And then this is now a, a deterministic search. But of course, it doesn't search through the entire uh, state space, and, and and you can use it for, for for both. Okay, now to answer Jacob's question, <laughs> so um, which is a good point. Uh, and I like you mentioned it's um, why do we build an entire software platform for a research problem? Um, well, one of the criticisms I have against research these uh, well uh, these days, um, is that uh, a lot of research is not reproducible. The code is not very optimized sometimes, a lot of redundancies going on. And, and so we wanted to do something that had, as I mentioned in the first place, had dual purpose. One is you could use it as a platform to springboard research. Two, you could just use it as an application for your phone or a computer or whatever, for your application and import it as a standard Maven package. So we wanted to have both um, bases covered and this was an ambition of ours. And having this second base covered is not really rewarding on the research side, but something that we wanted to challenge ourselves and, and do. And the other reason is also, we, we have a lot of industry experience going into graduate school. So we've done a lot of this stuff in, in our companies and respective companies, and, and we want to bring that expertise to the table. Why, why not make something fully end-to-end, -end, fully importable in a Maven project, fully reproducible and, and fully tested and, and, and traced and bugs are traced and, and tested to a, to a higher standard. Why, if we can do it to a high standard, why not? And why not, and why not make this the normal in the new normal uh, maybe in the near future and so um yes we 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 did go end to end with we we actually had many iterations of this code through the course of a whole year writing in a very crappy way 
and ended up realizing we could have done it a lot better and lean out the code, uh, revisioning it a lot more, and then creating the, the, the standard Maven release cycle for it, getting it onto the, the standard JVM release packages in there, even having a CI CD through GitHub, it will auto compile, auto release. So this is all available. And if you're just a pure software developer, you don't care about Monte Carlo research, but you want to you want a turn-based AI that's going to work, just go and define, just go and define your abstract class of what happens to your to your game and then import the Maven package and it will run. And we would love to see this happen. Um, if anyone would like to like to like to try. Maybe in, an, in another meetup I can I can present this and maybe some will we'll try it out because in principle it should work. So the, the, the alternative, as I mentioned, is to spend three months creating your own AI package that's not tested, that could be broken, that could be not performant, not extensible, or you can just import this and run it. Um, and if, if, if uh, with, with the universe of JVM uh, programs out there, this, this is a definitely a possibility. And it has the potential to do further research on. You can change, you can extend this and change it and rewrite it and redefine it. Um, we we designed it in this way, and 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 I I, I really and I'm hoping to get maybe um, maybe some graduate students collaborating with this on this to extend it further. I, I know I will I will at least try to um, get people at my institution to to move forward with something like this, but there are no guarantees. But um, we we set that platform to say now it's easier for you to redefine MDP uh, redefine uh, Monte Carlo tree search the way you want to to answer your research problems. Let's see if we can make this a new normal. Let's see if we can, can do research further. And I think we will, we will see one or two new papers coming out maybe in 2022 that use this to do research on MCTS. Maybe I'll, I'll drive it forward. Maybe maybe another person will drive it forward and I'll be a support. But um, this would be a, a great thing to see. So yes, as to, to answer your question, I, 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 I went off on a tangent here. It's dual purpose. One, it, 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 can, be, it, it can be industry used if you just want to import it in and use it as standard use it two you can rebuild it and answer your research questions as two two purposes at hand and this is kind of um a reflection of our experience too right we we, we worked in industry for, for quite some time before going back to graduate school so we, we, we built it in that way yeah i love it i think that should be the new normal for a lot of grad school projects uh sorry for interrupting the previous uh question and I appreciate the presentation. I've got to head out though. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks well, so much. Um, so, so, so Jacob told me a while ago about how um, in the Windows operating system, there's like this marauding application that, that kind of looks for suspicious activity in, in a way that's um, uh, troublesome if you are doing suspicious activity on the Windows operating system. And, and I guess like in general, I think OSs and even networks today have these types of things where you'll have some sort of process that kind of, for instance, if you have some large network, it like walks across the network and looks for anything that seems um, uh, suspicious and, and reports it. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm only have like a half form thought in my head, but I guess I'm wondering if there might be a way to treat these types of problems as a game, like an evasion game. Um, a, a similar thing, we recently submitted a paper that had sort of an evasion game in a context where they were literally moving sentries looking for you and you had to uh, kind of navigate through them without them. Um, they could see you, but they had to think that you were doing something innocent and not doing something not innocent. And so uh, th there were like things you were allowed to do and, and your, your kind of evil strategy had to be close enough to a good strategy that the sentries couldn't figure out what you were doing. You could imagine like um, in, in a, a prison, you're trying to do a prison escape, but every part of the prison escape looks like you're uh, doing something innocent, like going to the bathroom. Um, so, so I don't know, I, do you have any ideas about kind of uh, concrete problems that, that would be tenable like, like this, maybe the sort of century type things I'm imagining or maybe something else, or am I maybe too far out there because these are like untenably large types of systems I'm describing? No, I mean, whatever you claim, um, if it can be formulated as an MDP or something subclass of MDP, mm -hmm. it can be in principle solved using this technology or Monte Carlo tree search in general. Um, the only thing that I would say that cannot, that, that may have a bit of problem is the palm DP, the partially observable MDP side mm. where, where what you see is not always what you get. 
what you are at. So you can't really observe the state very well. This is the classic problem of robotics where you can you can sense something, yeah. but then it's not exactly where you are. So maybe it might work in this framework. Um, yeah, it has to be it has to be modified for that to work. But if you if 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 there's the, if there's no problem of observation, if you observe something, you exactly what you what you get, then um, then it will work. Um, and usually for most like computational experiments, this is the case, mm -hmm. especially where I work in, which is optimization and supply chain. Uh, but it can in robotics, this may not be the case sometimes when we have real sensors. So to answer your question, um, I'm, I, I didn't quite understand your, your explanation of the sensory problem very well, but if it can be formulated in an MDP, then in principle, we can, we can run this type of technology on it. Mm -hmm. uh, does not issue. Yeah, I was um, sort of I was sort of dodging around the exact formulation uh, yeah. because we we yeah. have something in review. But but yeah. a, a similar problem to the one we discuss we discussed would be kind of you have like a grid world prison and you want to escape the yeah. prison and you have to do so in a way where every step of escaping it looks as if you're doing something you're allowed to do and you have a list of things you're allowed to do. Um, mm -hmm. And and so in principle that seems like you could solve it using an approach like this. I guess I'm just, I, I know from experience that the type of system I'm interested in has an enormously complicated uh, kind of logic to the opponent. And, and so that makes me wonder like what sort of slowdown you'd expect when, when kind of the game becomes very complicated because yeah. your opponent is very complicated. So I mentioned briefly earlier that um, this technology is hindered by here. So when you define this abstract class, you could define it inside of the function and just have it and have the logic all in this class. You can also have it communicate with something outside of the code mm. to get okay. the next state. And this communication time is going to slow down the program. And we've experienced this um, with certain games like Connect 4 and stuff, where June actually profiled the code and, and he saw that, yeah, this is this is this. This game still runs because Connect Four is not that complex, for example. But if right. it was, if it was a, a a very complicated logic system, or some sort of Monte Carlo sampling within the transition, or some sort of complicated reward function where a huge computation needs to happen to get it, that will slow down the process. And so, if that's the case, if if if, if, if it's a state space where the state action space is just huge and we just query and we get it back in a split in a microsecond, mm -hmm. nanosecond or whatever, it's just big, but we can just get it right away. That's, it, it wouldn't affect um, the speed of this program. Right. But if in the computation of any of these, if any of these functions require some sort of uh, complexity or latency involved, then that's where you're going to see um, a degradation performance. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have to be clever about how you write this code and you have to do further optimization. So yes, um, this could be a potential downside to this type of technology as, 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 as the classic, um, the classic uh, adage goes, um, uh, you know, uh, with generalization comes performance issues. Mm -hmm. So yes, yes, I, I think, yeah, it depends. <laughs> the answer depends. Uh, on how much computation the, the agent or opponent agent needs to get to 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 get these values here, such mm -hmm. that it can run the Monte Carlo tree search, um, and if if there is a, a bottleneck here, we have to be clever. We may have to be clever about how you implement this in order to get it run fast. Um, so so yeah, that 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 would be another potential issue to, to be addressed, and and uh, and that's where certain performant codes that are not very extensible, not very generalizable, exist. But they exist for a reason. Mm -hmm because of what you just, because of things that like this, where maybe the transition is very hard to compute and we don't want to make it so extensible at this point. Now, now we want to make it very, very native to that one problem that we're solving and make every single optimization we need to make for that. Um, but only if it justified, I, I would say. I, I, from my design perspective, and I think June would maybe be on the same boat as me since we designed this, is that let's, let's start with a general solution before you go into the custom solution. <laughs> um where where it's now a very generalized uh, solution for everything and then when you discover that your mdp for whatever reason requires a complexity for a tr transition or the reward for example and you've tr exhausted the, the world of clever solutions that you can get around this to compute complex transitions or rewards 
then perhaps um, do not go for a solution like this. Go for something that's very native to your, to your problem. But then you have to spend a lot of time building a unique solver for that one problem, right? So that's... That, that. Yeah, that's that's exactly what's appealing about this. I spend a lot of time yeah. messing around with C3 and different model checkers for kind of ad hoc solutions to different problems that that may, maybe, emphasis on maybe, could be expressed in a more general way and, and solved with MDP, which is an interesting thing for you to think about. Yes. Um, anyway, Larkin, we should probably wrap up. Uh, surprisingly, we're, we're likely to actually have a, a large multiple of the number of people who attended watch it uh, on YouTube because that appears to happen in most of the talks. So uh, I, I guess if people are watching this virtually after the fact, uh, and want to reach out to you, presumably that's that's perfectly fine. They can shoot you an email, right? No worries. I think I left it on the very top here. So we already got to the end of the video, then it is here. Fantastic. Both our emails. And um, yeah, cool. I apologize. Uh, yeah, we didn't. I didn't really plan this presentation very well. I kind of... Oh, that's all right. We're, we're a little informal anyway, and, and yet a, a nice small forum today. So yeah, yeah. it's perfectly great. Um, yeah. Well, Larkin, this is a lot of fun. Thank you for much, so much for joining us, and, and June, oh, thanks for thank coming along. Us. And yeah. uh, uh, I'll let you know once this is posted online. And and uh, I think this is interesting work. So I'm, I'm glad you're able cool. to so, uh, virtually make it thank out. Thank you very much. Thank you yeah, very any, much any, for us. Yeah. Thank you too. Any potential collaborators or questions about this project or contributors or or just want to learn more? Just shoot us an email. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, guys. Cool.